0: I a teacher will begin to speak. March Madness
1: is in full effect and we're going to talk plenty of March Madness today on the program. We've got Elite 8 matchups on Saturday that we need to talk about. And I'll tell you what, once the tournament starts, it goes really, 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 really fast. It's, I mean, we're, we're, we'll be by the time Saturday is all said and done. We will be at or down to four teams or the final four teams. So, March Madness in full effect. We're going to talk to March Madness today on the program. I'm going to tell you what. we got some NBA to talk about today on the program. We've got some National Football League. Plenty of National Football League talk here on the program. Tyreek Hill goes to Miami. The Dolphins are getting it done. Now, initially when I saw the signing, Teron Armstead, the former Arkansas Pine Bluff star was Drew Brees' left tackle, had his blind spot really cemented for all of those years, all pro, pro bowl. He ultimately goes to Miami. So that just shows you what the Dolphins think of Tua Bailoa, right? And now, You have Tyreek Hill that is ultimately in Miami. And I'm going to tell you why I think not only obviously it's a good trade, and by the way, he signs an extension, does Tyreek Hill, and we'll talk more about that. Because not only is it a good trade ultimately for Miami because of what Miami is trying to do, what it's trying to build uh, there. I mean – I tell you what, it, the, the Brian Flores situation still uh, hangs over. It's still a situation that we need to bring up a lot more, quite frankly, uh, because of all the allegations and what's involved. Uh, but I tell you what, the, the Dolphins are moving forward with making some moves and trying to win some football games and trying to compete in that AFC East, which now belongs to the Buffalo Bills. But you know, New England's going to respond. I mean, I would imagine that the Jets are ultimately going to be better this year. But this is a, I'm going to tell you why this is also a good move for the Kansas City Chiefs because the Chiefs get five draft picks back, including a first and second round pick this year, which are really, really big. So I'm going to talk a little bit more about that as well. You can participate here on the program as always. Hit us up via Twitter and on Facebook. So I got to say this and talking some NBA and I was up in Washington, up in D.C. Big shots out to our affiliate in Washington, WHBC. It is part of the WHUR family. It's HD3 and uh, very happy to be on that station in Washington, D.C., uh, my home area and had a chance spend some good time. Of course, always good. It's always great to spend time with family and get some, you know, I mean, I think being here in Raleigh, like we, you know, you've got the certain places you like to eat. Right. Uh, But I mean, there are some, there are not as many uh, fast food chain type of places up in Washington, like here that have really good food, but there are little spots that are holes in the wall and stuff like that. So I enjoy finding new spots and eating and, and all of those kind of things. And by the way, I mean, I really enjoy going back to the area to really get some crab cake. Like, I I haven't found a good crab cake here in Raleigh. I have yet to find one. And if somebody can reach out to me, tell me where the best crab cake is in Raleigh, I may or may not try it. Because I've had a couple of crab cakes in Raleigh, right? Maybe like three or four times, and they just never lived up to what I was used to coming up in Maryland, So I said, you know what, I'm not going to get any more crab cakes unless I'm in Washington or Maryland, uh, right? And so, uh, I, but this time around in, in Washington, I didn't find a good place, had a crab cake. It, it wasn't necessarily that great. I think you got to go to Baltimore. Like when I went to Baltimore, when I was up there a couple of weeks ago, I had, a, it was this place that had, I mean, I, I had one bite of the crab cake and it absolutely melted In my mouth. Right. So, you know, you have the foods and all that kind of stuff. Family and all that had a chance to go and watch the Wizards and the Lakers play. So that it it was exciting. Right. Because the night before. LeBron James, the Lakers had played on Friday and I can't remember who the Lakers played at this point on Friday and may have even I can't remember the Lakers may have. I can't even remember if they won or lost the game. It could have been the Timberwolves. But played on Friday, and it was reported, and I don't think I knew this, that sometimes LeBron won't play in a back-to-back, and particularly on the road. I know it was Toronto. That's who it was. It was Toronto. And I think the Lakers lost that game. I I don't know. I, I can't remember if they won or lost. Anyway, it was Toronto. And so sometimes as it was reported he doesn't play in a back to back and i'm thinking of all the times i would be in washington and have a chance to see the lakers play and lebron doesn't play i mean that i mean for that would really kind of suck right but ultimately got to the arena i mean it was packed like you know capital one arena was packed um it felt like i mean it you know, the, the arena was buzzing, right? Like not only was it sold out, but it was buzzing, right? Like even, you know, I'm in the media section or what have you. And so you're near the floor and all of those kind of things. And big shots out by the way, to the Washington wizards who, whenever I do uh, come back, I'm, I'm I'm always able to uh, really engage and uh, be able to cover a game. So big shots out to the Washington wizards and, uh, their media relations office but it was just a buzz like a lot of people on the on the front row a lot of picture taking not only of LeBron but just of people excited to sort of be in the building and so there was a buzz and so when LeBron ultimately came out for warm-ups I mean everybody was excited and I'm gonna be honest with you like I I was a little bit too because I was really hoping that he would play yes I've seen LeBron play in person I saw him last I think play in person would have been the 2013 uh, game seven of the NBA finals in Miami when Miami beat the San Antonio Spurs. I've seen him play in all-star games, but it did mean that's almost, that's, you know, I mean, that's been nine years ago, right? So, I mean, to, to having seen him play in person. And uh, so as he's in the latter part of his career, I was hoping that he would ultimately play uh, and he ultimately did. And there was a buzz in the arena and, you know, we, 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 I mean, he had some spectacular moves. I mean, he was lighting the Wizards up. Wizards got down by 16, and it was most—it was all because of LeBron. And I'm like, man, the Wizards are going to lose this game, and LeBron is just going to go off. And when are the points going to stop? Like, I think he had 30-something at halftime. And in the second quarter, if I'm not mistaken, it was the second quarter is when he passed Carl Malone for second on the all-time scoring list. He got a big standing ovation. I thought it was just great. Um, they stopped, paused the game for a moment. Big standing ovation, uh, ultimately. And then, the, you know, the game continued. And then he went cold in the second half because LeBron is old. He's not able to carry a team as much. He doesn't have very much help at all. And ultimately, the Wizards were able to come back and win that game. Kristaps Porzingis was big. Best game as a Wizard to that point anyway. I mean, he was absolutely huge in that game. Started out the game, he's like one for seven starting out the game. I'm like, oh my goodness, and they got down by 16. Kyle Kuzma, of all the games Kyle Kuzma didn't play, it would be that game going up against his former team. So ultimately, the Wizards win the game. Um, man, I tell you what, the Lakers, you know, I, I think, and we can talk about Westbrook, and by the way, I think what the Wizards did, it was a break in the first quarter, and the Wizards did a little mini-tribute to Russell Westbrook, and he was appreciative of it. He waved to the crowd. You know, he got a bit of a, I don't know if it was a standing ovation, but he definitely got applause. It was a little video tribute because, remember, he broke Oscar Roberts' record of triple-doubles while in a Wizards uniform. And, by the way, he was, in essence, the reason that the Wizards went to the playoffs last year, went, or won the play-in play game, and then ultimately went to the playoffs and I think that the Lakers thought, and LeBron James thought they were getting that Russell Westbrook. He has struggled, but I'm—I mean, hey, you know, it. I think at any time he could perhaps come out of it, especially that the Lakers are still kind of holding on, uh, right? But I thought it was a very classy tribute to Russell Westbrook. The other thing is this about LeBron playing, and I was uh, again—I I think he's just—it's just—I mean. He's just class. You know, he 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 does it for the fans, right? First of all, you're only going to play in D.C. once a year, right? This may be, for all we know, this could be the last time we play in D.C. He's appreciative of the fans. He know the, knows that the fans of of Washington uh, may haven't had great times with respect to uh, their NBA team, but they know basketball and I think that's enough, I mean, you know, he probably saw it as an opportunity to win a game too, right? Like any game you can win and the Wizards aren't playing well, weren't playing well. But I mean, I just thought it was classy that he ultimately decided to play in that basketball game, even though sometimes he sits out the second game of a back-to-back. Still to come here on the program, some March Madness talk. Also, you know we got to talk National Football League. You've got signings, you've got trades all over the place. We're going to break a couple of those down, including the Tyreek Hill trade and Matt Ryan to the Colts, plus what now happens to former Heisman Trophy winner and number one overall pick, Baker Mayfield, what happens to him. We don't like to talk, we like to talk a lot of college sports, Obviously here on Box to Row on ESPNU Radio on Sirius XM, but the NFL is so hot and heavy. Plus, joining us on the program, NFL hopeful, Joshua Williams, team, a cornerback for Fayetteville State. You got it locked to Box to a a road party, on ESPNU Radio on Sirius on XM. Brothers on my jock, for the way I hold a piece of steel. to what, what you you Hello, my name is Precious Rose Dunlap, and this is my mother, Michelle Timlake-Roll, founder of Marjorie's Beef Jerky Incorporated. We would at this time like to thank our new customers as well as our repeating customers for your business. For every one million orders that we receive, our company is giving two million dollars away
2: to the bottom of 400 of our paid customers.
1: You see, that's the way we roll. So come place an order at
0: marjoriesbeatjerky.com.
1: Sponsored by Harlem Beer Distributing North Carolina. For more information, log on to their website at harlembeernc.com.
0: Hey, Bugsy, you hear the news about Vinny? Yeah, it's a real shame he owed money to the IRS and they finally cut up with him. Just like Al Capone. If the IRS can get the Capone,
1: imagine what they can do to little old Vinny, huh? Eh?
0: Poor cat, he was on top of the world. that bada boom, bada bing.
1: What Vinny needs now is an offer he can't refuse. 888-789-5043, 888-789-5043, 888-789-5043.
0: Now, back to From the Press Box to Press Row with Donald Ware on ESPNU Radio on Serious XM. break.
1: And we're going to talk some March Madness today here on the program. But I want to talk some National Football League first. And one of the things about the NFL around this time, you're generally talking March Madness. And then maybe secondarily, it's the NBA. But when you look at the National Football League and the NFL and all of the various signings, and this offseason has been really a flurry of activity Especially as it relates to trades, as it relates to quarterbacks, more than I can really remember uh, that I can really remember in the last uh, couple of years. So, I mean, you start the week off and you think, okay, we're going to be talking about the uh, Matt Ryan trade to Indianapolis. Obviously, Indianapolis needed a, a quarterback. Ultimately, moved on in only one season with Carson Wentz. Felt like he wasn't the guy that that they needed. Moving forward, the Colts needed moving forward. So they went and traded for Matt Ryan, right? So this is an, this is, this is, I think this is really good for the Colts. I think, I thought Carson Wentz had a solid season last year, okay? And for the Washington football team, he's definitely an upgrade or, or excuse me, the commanders. He's definitely an upgrade at the quarterback position where Carson Wentz was hurt was really ultimately his season defined by the Colts or in the Colts eyes was defined by two games, the last two games of the season, including to the lowly Jaguars. Right? So that's where Carson Wentz and and the the Colts decided to kind of move on. And, it, it seemed like a good fit coming into the season. You just really needed a quarterback um, to really. Um, it, the defense you knew was, was semi elite. You know, the maniac Darius Leonard, uh, the leader of that defense, it was an elite defense. Some good, I mean, the, the running game was, was an elite running game, uh, elite offensive line. Uh, you you, you could have used some more weapons if, if you were the Colts from a wide receiver position, but the running game was so great. And the defense was so great, although coming into the season, I would say the defense was, would have been considered an elite defense. And, it, you know, defensively, it was, it, was, it was solid, but not probably as good as the Colts thought it would ultimately be. Now you add a Matt Ryan to that mix. And listen, if you listen to this show any last year, there was plenty of times that I came on the show and I'm like, in making the picks, I'm like, okay, Matt Ryan is not going to be able to get it done for the Falcons. And I think ultimately he had a, he had a solid season. Like he had a better, a much better season than I ultimately thought he was going to have. So I think to me, it was signal that he has still has a little bit of something left in the tank. A former league MVP made an appearance in the Super Bowl. I mean, I, I, I think, if, again, if the, Colts, if the uh, Falcons, when, he was, when the Falcons made that appearance in the Super Bowl against the Patriots, they run the football one time, one time, ultimately I think the Falcons win the Super Bowl. Uh, but, but Matt Ryan has had some success, um, there's no doubt, in this league. So, you know, you've got, you know, a couple of guys. You've got, you know, Michael Pittman Jr. You've got T.Y. You know, that running game with Jonathan Taylor is absolutely phenomenal. So I think this is a ultimately a great move for the Colts. Now, looking on the other side of that, what, what, what about this move? And you don't give up a lot. I mean, you don't, you don't give up a whole lot to ultimately get Matt Ryan if you're the Colts. So, but what does this mean now for the Falcons Moving forward. And I think more specifically. I mean, a lot of these deals and we're going to talk definitely um, about the Tyreek Hill situation to the Dolphins as well. But what does it mean now for Baker Mayfield moving forward? Deshaun Watson is now there, uh, meaning in Cleveland. Right. Nobody seems to want Baker Mayfield. Uh, and, and so what happens with Baker Mayfield moving forward? I mean, I think he has shown to me, and, and again, you can say he was injured last year. Maybe that was part of his issue in terms of the production for last year. But he, he's not an elite-level quarterback. He's a former number one overall pick. He's not an elite-level quarterback. So if you're the Browns, you're looking at it okay. And, and, and the Browns were right not to re-sign him to a long-term deal no doubt about it because he's not that kind and and, and a deal that would have paid him elite level money. And, and the Browns did right because remember the Browns could have signed him coming into last season to an extension, ultimately decided not to. And the Browns guessed right. I think he's got some limitations. I mean, he's a gutty, he's a gutty performer. I mean, he's, you know, he's, he's, he has a lot of the things that you want from a quarter from your quarterback, right, at the end of the day, though, he has nowhere to go, and nobody seems to want him. I mean, remember now, I was talking about the trade a couple of weeks ago where the Seahawks ultimately traded Russell Wilson, and you get drew Locke in return, and I'm thinking, I'm like, listen, you know i I know a lot of people are saying drew Locke is not that great- i mean and maybe he hasn't he he to me he hasn't he I think he has something to prove, meaning Drew Locke. And I think he'll be a solid quarterback, but it just goes to show that not even the the Seahawks want Baker Mayfield ultimately. I mean, you look at Pittsburgh, going with Mitchell Trubisky, we talked about that a couple of, or last week, or a couple of weeks ago, last week, as a matter of fact, um, as well. I mean, I, I think I think Mitchell Trubisky has you know, has won some games in this league, and I think he still has some upside. Like, we really don't know um, what he could ultimately be. I think, you know, he takes a step back, sits back, observes basically for a season in Buffalo, and now he's sort of rejuvenated. Plus, it's it's like, what's the asking price? I mean, what are you asking for, for ultimately from Baker Mayfield? Like, what are you, you know, I mean, you almost have to give up a pick to me uh, to be able to, to be able to move on from Baker Mayfield, meaning uh, the the Browns w- would just have to really move on from him, move on from his contract. It's like, I think, $20 million. I mean, even the Carolina Panthers are going to go with Sam Darnold, but I understand why the Panthers are going with Darnold because ultimately you don't want to pay Sam Darnold, whatever it is he's making, $19, $20 million a year, and then have to pay Baker Mayfield uh, his contract as well because, remember, it was $20 million for um, ultimately, for Sam Darnold, and they ultimately guaranteed that contract for the upcoming season. So the Panthers ultimately stuck with him. So that's why I understand why the Panthers ultimately wouldn't make the move. But uh, listen, I mean Baker, Ken Baker Mayfield, he has some intangible things. I just don't think he's that elite level quarterback. And you know, he 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 he's a little too emotional, I think, uh, for me as well. So we'll ultimately see what happens there but nobody wants to pick him up Tyreek Hill so like I was saying in the open I think that with respect to this move by the Chiefs I think it's it's a it's a good move for Miami because now you're giving toward Tunga Bailoa a guy that can really stretch the field I mean the only question I would have I watched Tunga Bailoa play this year Right, like he, he's, he doesn't seem to have the strongest of arms to me to really be able to get the ball down the field. He was more of a dink and dunk guy. Now, that may be a good thing for a guy like a Tyreek Hill because you can dink and dunk, get some blockers out there, and now you can get him in space and sort of off to the races as opposed to trying to stretch the field. I think that was a bit of an issue, quite frankly, for the Colts. I mean, excuse me, for the Chiefs. And this is the reason why. You look at that second half. Against the Bengals in that AFC Championship game, well, Tyreek Hill dominated in the first half. The Bengals made a little bit of an adjustment, and it's more like Hill is more of a—he reminds me a little bit of a Deshaun Jackson, a better, mean he's better even Deshaun Jackson's earlier days. But he's a better version of Deshaun Jackson because he's—he's he's much more durable. He's—he's—he's—he probably is a little bit shorter, but he's stockier, so he's got some bulk. He's not going to get hurt as much. Right. But he's a guy that's going to be able to stretch the field. And if you're the Chiefs, you have a ultra talented quarterback in Pat Mahomes who can make some things happen. Plus, I mean, you just went out and got um, uh, Juju Smith Schuster. You've got you've got Kelsey, who is phenomenal at tight end. And you have to factor in the fact that ultimately the Chiefs would have had to pay Tyreek Hill. Remember, Tyreek Hill now gets the extension, uh, you know, with the the Dolphins, right? So he's getting crazy paid now with ultimately with that extension. So I think the Chiefs made a decision to move on from Tyreek Hill because of the, the monetary factor. And I just think they probably... You know, And and the money, you have to look at both factors, the money and the production. There's no doubt that the production was there, but yeah, definitely his presence is going to open up some things for some other guys. There's no doubt about that, but are you willing to pay him that kind of money, the kind of money that Miami is paying him? They ultimately did not, meaning the Chiefs, and by the way, they got some draft picks out of this first, second round this year which is great because you got some talent pool. Maybe you select a wide receiver and now you have a guy that may be ready, maybe not ready to rock and roll this year necessarily, but ultimately will be able to rock and roll. So it's it's just an interesting dynamic um, for Tyreek Hill moving forward. We can chat more about this. Hit me up via Twitter at BoxToRow, B-O-X-T-O-R-O-W. Follow us. While you're there or on my personal Twitter account at DWare1, at DWare1, still to come March Madness Talk. But up next, as we do each and every year around this time, we talk with some of the top HBCU NFL draft hopefuls. And we're talking with Fayetteville State cornerback Joshua Williams.
0: Track down the names making news in sports. From the Press Box to Press Row, it's Donald Ware. From the Press Box to Press Row.
1: Let's continue here on Box to Row and what we do each and every year around this time. We talk with some of the top college prospects, specifically from HBCUs that may hear their name called in the National Football League Draft. And we've got one of the best This year, as a matter of fact, this young man is from Fayetteville, North Carolina. He played his college football at Fayetteville State. He was an HBCU All-American. He participated in the NFL Combine. He participated in the Legacy Bowl. He goes 6'3", 197 pounds. He is a quarterback. He's Joshua Williams. He joins us here on Box to Row. Joshua, welcome to the program.
2: Yes, sir. Thanks for having me.
1: Absolutely. It's a pleasure to have you. What have the last I mean, I would say the last couple of, of, of months. But I mean, I think you had really an elite level senior year um, at Fayetteville State, because a lot of times I mean, it's one thing when you're coming from an HBCU. Then it's another thing. If you're coming from an FCS HBCU, you're coming from a D2 HBCU, but you've been at the NFL combine. You participated in all of these uh, all of all of 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 these all star games and combines and so forth. So, what have really I would say the last four or five months been like for you?
2: Uh, it's definitely been um, you know just a breathtaking experience, just soaking it all in. But you know, at the same time, uh, you know, I'm, I'm going there ready to work and and just show you know these guys what I can do and what I'm made of.
1: And you've shown them so far. T- tell us, take us through that because. And I know the National Football League has placed an emphasis uh, on making sure that it's doing enough to make sure that the light is being shined on HBCU players and so on and so forth. And we'll ultimately see how that plays out in this year's um, National Football League draft. But like the combine, man, it's not a lot of times that HBCU kids get invited, yet alone uh, from a D2. Take us through what that NFL combine experience was like.
2: Um, It was, you know, just very, um, of course, fast-paced. You know, there's a lot of things you have to get done. Um, A lot of it uh, really is medical testing and making sure you're healthy, stuff like that. Um, You know, they're doing physical or physical evaluations just as well as a psychological and mental evaluation. So, um, you know, just super busy through the week. And um, it's all just gearing up to that last day, um, which is, you know, the, the on-field day where you test and, uh, you know, just show the things that you can do on the football field.
1: Yeah, and you were able to do that. I mean, if I'm looking at I'm, – I'm, I've had a chance to kind of look at uh, what the scouts, some of the scouts and uh, were saying. And, I mean, they think you're a guy that has the potential to develop into a starter uh, in the National Football League. And, and who – I mean – yeah, but you, you have the potential to be a star in the National Football League also, right? So, I mean, when when you hear that, I mean, what does that mean? I mean, I guess, you, you, you know, you want to be a starter and that type of thing. I guess it would mean you feel like you probably need to put in uh, uh, some more work. But what does that mean to you when you hear that?
2: Um, you know, I'm, I'm glad they think that uh, I could possibly develop into a starter. But, you know, I have much uh, bigger goals than that, you know. Um, I'm the, you know, biggest believer in myself. So, you know, I, I honestly believe, you know, I, I could accomplish really anything in the NFL that I put my mind to. And I'm just ready to get to work and um uh, and get started at that, um you know, starting with, you know, going to this pro day, doing what I need to do, and, and hopefully getting uh, drafted to a uh, good organization.
1: Joshua Williams, former now cornerback for the Fayetteville State Broncos, and as a matter of fact, an HBCU All-America hopes to hear his name called in the National Football League draft. He joins us here on Box to Row. And I think it's a great thing. NC State um, does a great job. It's been doing it for many, many years. Has its own combine. But it, it, with that, invites players to the combine from other schools in the state. And NC State's been doing that uh, for quite some time. So what are some of the things that you've worked on from your NFL combine, uh, to now uh, this pro day coming up at NC State, which is going to take place on Tuesday?
2: Um, well, you know, most of it is just technical stuff. Um, you know, of course, let my body recover after the um, combine and, and um, just doing a lot of movements, stretches, um, you know, things to get my body loose and, and make sure it's recovered well enough to, uh, you know, uh, com- compete at the, the highest form at the pro day. So a lot of it, you know, just loosening up my body, um, and working on technique as far as, uh, you know, form, um, with, with some of the drills and and making sure I'm looking good in the uh, footwork drills and stuff like that.
1: For you, take us through the season. What was the season at Fayetteville State like for you? I mean, you guys had a really, really good season. Uh, ultimately, came up short in that CIAA championship game, uh, but but nonetheless. Uh, winning another CIAA Southern Division title.
2: Um, you know, going into the season, um, I knew it was going to be a big season. So, you know, I wrote a list of goals that I wanted to accomplish. Um, you know, personal as well as team goals. Um, and you know, we we started off pretty well. Um, you know, we we only lost one regular season game. Um, you know, but uh, unfortunately, we didn't get the uh, ultimate goal, which was win the CIAA championship. Um, but you know, overall, I felt like you know we had a great group of guys, uh, had a great group of teammates. Uh, some, some guys also um, that are looking to uh, compete at the next level. You know, they they went to the HBCU combine and, and did their things as well. So, you know, I felt like we had a great, uh, you know, just a great core core group of guys this year. Just we just couldn't um, you know get the job done.
1: What? Yeah, yeah. And and again, I mean, I, you know, I mean it's just. You know it's been one of those deals where I mean, the last couple of years, Bowie State has just had Fayetteville State's number, but Fayetteville State, is, you guys have had, uh, you know, really good campaigns. Uh, the Legacy Bowl, HBCU Combine, T- take us through that. You know, what was that experience like?
2: Right. Um, well, you know, I had, um, Elvin Delarosa, uh, you know, one of the safeties, and, and Keyshawn James, they both went to the, um, HBCU Legacy Bowl and the, um, and participate in HBCU Combine. Um, unfortunately, I didn't get to participate in it, uh, either because um, the week prior was the Senior Bowl, and, um, you know, I was just busy, uh, you know, uh, getting ready for that and competing in that and um, just recovering from that. So, but, um, you know, I definitely uh, supported my teammates. I-, I listened and watched the game. Um, it seemed like they had a great time. Uh, they-, they were really just, you know, out there and showing new scouts what they can do and putting on for the university.
1: Joshua Williams, hoping to hear his name called in the National Football League drafts, a good prospect out of Fayetteville State, 6'3 corner. Think about that, 6'3 corner, HBCU All-America, or All-American. He joins us here on the program. All of these experiences, how how have you grown from all of these experiences? You mentioned the Reese's Senior Bowl, you've got the combine, uh, the NFL, and the HBCU, even though I know the legacy boat didn't participate, but you know all, all of those things, man. How has that allowed for you to grow uh, to where you are right now, and again getting ready for your pro day on Tuesday?
2: You know, um, a lot of these these things that I've been uh, training for not only aren't are just preparing me for the uh, the combines and the games, but also just you know making me a better football player and making me more technically sound. Uh, You know, just getting uh, deeper into my, you know, um, I guess you would say deeper in my bag as far as, you know, football knowledge, um, even, you know, just understanding more concepts and being able to break down uh, some of these plays. So, you know, all of this stuff that I'm doing to prepare, um, I feel like definitely made me a better football player. So when I do um, end up on one of these uh, rosters, I can I can, you know, do what I need to do to stay on a roster and, and, you know, compete at a high level.
1: What does it mean to be that hometown kid, that hometown hero, if you will? I mean, a lot of guys that play at Fayetteville State. I, mean, I mean, I think Fayetteville State does a really good job of recruiting in Fayetteville, some good football there in Fayetteville, North Carolina. You, you coming from one of the better programs um, in Fayetteville at Jack Britt. What does it mean to you be, to be that hometown guy, to play, have played for the hometown team and then be on the cusp of possibly being drafted into the National Football League.
2: Well, you know, first and foremost, it's just a, a honor and a blessing to uh, be in the position I am to even, um, you know, bring bring some, you know, just shine light on Fayetteville and, and Fayetteville State. So, you know, I'm very thankful for that. But, um, you know, there, there's never any pressure. Um, you know, I get a lot of support, and um, it's always positive stuff. Um, you know, it never feels like. Uh, I have any weight on my shoulders or anything that's very just, um, you know, reaffirming uh, that, that, you know, they just want me to do my best and uh, just, you know, go out there be me. And, um, you know, I can't thank the people of Fayetteville, people at Fayetteville State, my family, everybody. I can't thank them enough for everything they've done, all the support they've given me. Um, Like I said, it's truly, honestly, a blessing. And, um, you know, like I said, I can't thank these guys
1: enough. Man, I know you got to be a J. Cole fan. Like, I know J. Cole, you you guys must have had connected in some way at this point, no?
2: <laughs> no, I, I haven't uh, ran into J. Cole yet. I am a big J. Cole fan, um, at, which is crazy. My dad, um, you know, who, he's, he's an older gentleman <laughs> who doesn't really know too much about uh, rap. But um, he, he ran into J. Cole, and unknowingly, he didn't even know who the guy was. And, you know, it was like a skate <laughs> mic or something that was a, you know, funny little thing, you
1: know, so. How does that happen, man? I mean, he runs into him, you don't, you know, I mean.
2: That's, man, I was asking the same question, man. How are you running into him? He don't even know who he is.
1: <laughs> man, that is great. So, last couple of thoughts. Again, Joshua Williams of Fayetteville State joining us here on the program. What are some of the things you feel like you need to work on to be able to, you know, excel uh, and make that next step in the National Football League?
2: You know, um, things that, you know, I, I'm trying to work on and, uh, focus on are just, you know, uh, being a professional, getting better at my craft, of course, um, is my first day and foremost focus, um, um, I know the NFL is a lot different, of course, than college football and, um, you know, I'm going to do everything I can to be possibly, uh, to be prepared for this, you know, this challenge. Um, I'm excited and, and I'm definitely taking on, you know, this challenge, um, it's something I've always wanted to do. So, you know, me being 100% ready and doing everything I can to be ready uh, when I get that shot, that's just all I'm focused on, man. Uh, working on, you know, all the intricate things, uh, you know, footwork, technique, um, you know, playbook stuff, football knowledge, uh, everything. You know, no leaving no stone unturned, um, that's kind of my
0: goal.
1: Yeah, and I think we also got to make note and say that you're in essence coming out early because when you missed the 2020 Season, and so you only played three years at Fayetteville State, and that that is very unusual, you know, at that level to be able to be on the cusp of of possibly being in the National Football League. So, congratulations to you. But I got to rib you on this, man. I mean, you got to tell me that teams weren't throwing to your side. You're 6'3, you got five career interceptions in three three years. They must have not been throwing to your side, Joshua.
2: (laughs) Nah, they didn't throw that too much up. Sure, you know, if I didn't drop a few of them, I could have had some more. So, (laughs) you know, it is what it is, though.
1: (laughs) Yeah, they're all good. Well, again, uh, hoping to hear his name called in the National Football League draft is Joshua Williams out of Fayetteville State, cornerback. And he's, of course, an HBCU All American. He joins us here on Box to Row. Joshua, appreciate the time. Continued success in all you do.
3: Yes, sir. Thank you
1: very much. Switching gears, March Madness Talk is
3: up next. Attention, those of you looking to go on a fun vacation and see the world on the cheap. Today, the U.S. dollar is worth even more in other countries. So there's never been a better time to travel outside the USA. The dollar is worth over $1.30 in Canadian dollars. And it's the same for Australia. You can fly there today and have fun and maximize your travel dollar. Your U.S. dollar is worth over $3 in Brazilian reals, and it's worth over $18 in Mexican pesos. Plus, in Argentina, it's worth over $27 in Argentine pesos. Just think of the bargains you'll get. And the way you get the cheapest airfare to any destination is by calling Tickets That Cheap. Save up to 75% on your foreign vacation tickets. Don't wait. Call now. 802-317-1987. 802-317-1987. 802-317-1987. That's 802-317-1987.
0: It's Donald Ware, from the press box to press row.
1: Art Madness is in full effect. We're going to talk some NCAA Tournament here on the program. And I'm telling you, like, I thought this may be the year for Gonzaga. Gonzaga did lose in the national championship game to Baylor on last year. I did think and say that may have been the window for Gonzaga to ultimately win it. The team that Gonzaga had last year was a better team than this year's team. And I thought that window was wide open. Uh, Not that Baylor, it's not like Baylor came out of nowhere. But you, you certainly thought, at least I did, going into that national championship game on last year, that Gonzaga definitely was the team to beat. And I thought going into this tournament, Gonzaga, the overall number one seed, I said, well, You know, maybe this is the year that Gonzaga can get it done. And if not, I I don't know, like I don't know moving forward what more. I mean, you always have a chance, right? But now the conversation years ago, I mean, Gonzaga to even be in the position that it's in is remarkable in of itself. It's brought its conference up. It's brought its conference a lot of notoriety. It's made its conference better. You look at a team like St. Mary's, who now becomes a perennial A a perennial NCAA tournament appearance, uh, for lack of a better word. They're in the NCAA tournament quite often, competing with Gonzaga in the conference. If you look at a lot of times when uh, Gonzaga has conference losses, and you're all, I mean, it's hard to go through a conference and not lose a basketball game. And so when you look at that WCC and you look at the likes of a Gonzaga, you look at the likes of a St. Mary's. I mean, St. Mary's program has really uh, come up, uh, but a lot of that has to do with uh, what Gonzaga has been able to do. But I don't know how many more chances that in opportunities that Gonzaga is ultimately going to have. I mean, you're talking about a team that played in a national championship game last year, you're talking about a team that played in the national championship game several years ago with an opportunity went into that game against carolina as favorites and ultimately couldn't get it done so now the conversation goes from gonzaga this great story you know a a a perennial powers the conference is built up gonzaga has built a national powerhouse um to uh, and uh, and, and made it to the tournament and made elite eight runs and all of those kind of things. To me, the narrative goes from that to now when is Gonzaga going to win a national championship? And I, I you know, I, I sat here around this time last year and said, I didn't know, not that Gonzaga wasn't going to be good, but you look at the talent from that team last year. We I mean, got a couple of first round picks that are planning in the, in the NBA right now. And, yeah, Gonzaga able to build it back up to get to the point in which it ultimately got to as what the overall number one seed again, and and just could not get it done uh, this year, losing to Arkansas. I watched the really the last eight minutes of that game where Gonzaga was down Arkansas. You you know it almost felt like Gonzaga was going to try and make a well, it didn't really feel like that actually. It just felt like. Gonzaga was kind of hanging in there, but Arkansas would hit big buckets each time that Gonzaga would make a run. Uh, Gonzaga pulled to within four at one time uh, with possession of the basketball, couldn't get a bucket. Arkansas comes back, scores. And I think that pretty much put the game uh, out of reach. But you look at that Arkansas team, Eric Musselman as the coach back-to-back elite eight tournament uh, uh, appearances now. um, And, it's a team that is super athletic, and I think that's what won out this time around. Much, it's, Arkansas wanted it more. When I watched that basketball game, Arkansas and Gonzaga, Arkansas wanted the basketball game more. Underdogs coming in, underdogs coming into this tournament as a number four seed, and I mean, and again, probably felt some kind of way, some kind of disrespect Uh, In a way, a team that goes, you know, with only eight losses uh, in the SEC, which the SEC has definitely come up, right, with, you know, when when you think about that conference and, you know, the teams that are there with uh, Kentucky and all of those teams. And because, again, this was a team that appeared in the Elite Eight tournament last year that has a really good coach. So no doubt about it, Razorbacks with a chip on their shoulder and ultimately played that way um, against Gonzaga. But I just, you know, I, I just don't know how many more opportunities that the Zags uh, or the Bulldogs uh, are ultimately going to have in terms of winning a national championship. I mean, again, to build this program, I mean, you know, how, how, how much longer? I mean, and then I think the other question Becomes and 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 we're not, you know, putting him out. You know, in terms of retiring, right? But how many more opportunities does Mark Few, as the head coach, have, right? To 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 win a national championship. I mean, I think the way Gonzaga builds its program, compared to most of the other teams, particularly the other uh, more elite teams, you got a lot of one and done situations. Um, You know, you got a lot of guys that are leaving early sophomore years, junior years, Uh, not that that doesn't happen in the Gonzaga program, but Gonzaga builds a program. So you're going to have a lot of really three-year players more, and then a lot of four-year players as well. So so you look at Gonzaga, it has that experience, generally speaking, but experience always doesn't win out, does well in the conference, and it, it doesn't have anything to do with, You know, again, I look at a St. Mary's and maybe the conference isn't the strongest conference because you point out St. You know, I pointed out St. Mary's as one of the real contenders in that conference. But I don't I don't know. I mean, I don't I don't know. I mean, Gonzaga plays a pretty tough schedule throughout the course of the year. I mean, this was the number one seed overall. So, yeah, maybe the conference isn't as strong as you would like for it to be. But. Gonzaga is playing national opponents. And when you come in as the number one seed overall, you've done something really, really good throughout the course of the season, uh, despite the conference, maybe not being one of the, you know, upper echelon conferences in the country. Just don't know how many more opportunities Gonzaga is ultimately going to have. I, I, you know, I look at my I, I look at my bracket. And it's shot. I mean, you know, I had Gonzaga winning the national championship. Now, one uh, one I've gotten right so far is Houston going to the Final Four. I mean, I just felt like Houston, I mean, I've watched Houston play a couple of times this year, and especially watched uh, Houston play against Memphis. And that's become a really, really good rivalry in the American Conference. And, you know, I like what Kelvin Sampson is doing. I like his team. It's a really good team. He's a really good coach. So, I mean, I I had, you know, I had Arizona as my first number one seed that ultimately fell. But there's only one, there's only one number one seed, you know, the number one seeds are just falling by the wayside, right? And so I don't know who I'm going to have, who I, I mean, it's obviously too late to pick with the bracket, but in terms of who now do I think will win uh, the national championship, let me get back to you next week uh, when we're in the final four. Uh, you know, I had Villanova, uh, certainly. Um, I, well, I actually, I, well, I had Villanova. Yep, I had Villanova. Uh, well, actually, I had Villanova losing uh, in the Sweet 16. Uh, but Villanova is, I mean, it's just a perennial power. He's won a couple of national championships here in the last four or five years. Um, you know, I, I, what more can you say? Maybe Villanova could be a, a possible contender to win another national championship coming in as a number 2 seed and I mean you know I you know, I think Michigan I think Michigan this year played in the tournament at least to this point has played above where Michigan probably should be so no surprise that Villanova was going to take care of Michigan now I will say I did have I did have the matchup between Texas Tech and Duke I had Texas Tech moving on to the elite 8 against Gonzaga so I'm way wrong right there, you know, because now we're gonna see Arkansas and Duke matchup in that Elite Eight. Coach K's career continues. I didn't know about this Duke squad. You got Banchero, you've got Roach. I mean those guys hit big shots down the stretch. That was a nip and tuck affair. And ultimately w- with Texas, Texas got a really strong team and 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 we've seen in years past with Duke teams in battles like this, just couldn't get it done. But now, you know, I'd have to look at Duke as possibly a national championship contender now, um, the way that this team is playing. Again, you don't want to be the team that, in Coach K's last year, loses to Carolina, last game of the season, loses in the ACC championship game to Virginia Tech, a team that had never even been in an ACC tournament championship game let alone won an ACC tournament championship game. You didn't want to be that team. And I think those, those, as Coach K would call them, kids are have been refocused, understanding the moment, understanding those two crucial losses, really understanding uh, that this is Coach K's last year. And so they're going out and playing. I think Duke willed itself to that victory against Texas Tech. It's a nip and tuck affair. It's a good Texas Tech team. It's a Texas Tech team that I ultimately had uh, in the elite eight. Uh, And uh, listen, Duke could certainly be a contender as things stand right now. Again, as I said, I like Houston, Um, you know, knocking off number one seed, Arizona to me, no surprise there. I did at least have that matchup. So, Uh, You can check out my bracket online. It is absolutely shot right now. No question. However, um, you know, we'll see what ultimately I still have Houston rocking and rolling. We'll ultimately see what happens uh, with Houston. It's one of the it's the team that I have uh, that's left moving forward. I've got to get ready to run. Thank you to Joshua Williams for joining us today here on the program and the HBCU All-America team came out on Wednesday, and you can find the team on our website, BoxToRow.com. Next week, we'll talk more about the HBCU All-Star Game taking place in New Orleans on next Sunday. And always remember to support those that support your Toro on ESPNU Radio on Sirius XM is produced by DW Communications.